Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome back. Uh, my name is Sheldon McLeod. This is Thinking Out Loud, presented to you here exclusively by the Saltwire Network. And it's my opportunity to kind of contain some of my enthusiasm to look beyond the headlines and look into some of the other uh, things that are happening in our world. And, you know, I, I'm really grateful that I, I have my health for the most part, knock on whatever this table's made out of. Uh, but uh, for folks who are in uh, health care challenges, I mean, just look at the headline uh, from recently Nova Scotia ERs under pressures we've never seen before a story by John McPhee that you can uh, read online today or pick up uh, Chronicle Herald to read this story bearing the brunt of gaps in other parts of the healthcare system the canary in the coal mine is what Dr. Kirk Maggie is saying and we also heard recently and I know uh, the new Democratic Party of Nova Scotia put out a news release saying there were thousands and thousands of Nova Scotians who ended up showing up at ER without actually being treated. They go home. Um, I don't, where are the answers? Uh, there, there are things being done. And we're told, well, it may get worse before it gets better. And I think we're seeing the worst part of that right now. And uh, to talk a little bit about what's happening, where things are going, uh, the leader of Nova Scotia's New Democratic Party is here to join the conversation. And Claudia Chender, it's nice to see you again. Nice to see you, Sheldon. This idea that there are more than 100,000 Nova Scotians, one in 10, waiting on a list to yeah. get a primary care doctor. And then I'm curious to your reaction, though. The, the premier, uh, the province, the, the government says we're making space for 200 more nursing students. Uh, we're hiring 100 people for patient transport. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're offering these incentives to try to bring doctors here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a big it's a big job. It's a lot to do. It's a lot to take on. Is yeah. it? Is it easy to criticize that? Is it easy to criticize that it doesn't seem like it's working? Oh, I mean, I think all of those moves are welcomed and, and I applaud them. And I think we all do. They're, they're necessary, but they're not sufficient. And so I think what we've seen um, is this government was elected to fix health care. I think they've made a lot of important announcements around nursing seats, around recruitment. All of that needs to happen and none of it is enough. <laughs> So if you talk to anyone, they will say um, there's nothing that's kind of on the books right now in terms of policy or initiatives that is going to make a significant dent in real time, particularly in the number of people not, at not attached to family medicine of any kind um, or to the situation of our emergency rooms. And so I think it's clear that what we need to do is, is think outside the box. And as opposed to our government, who brought in some uh, expert consultants, we had different health boards, we engaged the expertise of those health boards. This government uh, fired the health board, uh, put someone in charge of the Nova Scotia Health Authority without any healthcare experience. And, you know, we just saw yesterday that we lost our head of recruitment, who was one of the only people in that system um, who was, in fact, a physician and a physician leader. So um, 
you know, I, I think it is difficult to criticize, like you say, Sheldon, because a lot needs to be done. But I think we have examples that have worked in these very situations and they're not being um, engaged or explored. And, and I think that's what we're trying to highlight here. And I want to talk about that in a second. But uh, we had uh, the first ministers gathering in British Columbia and they all said, Ottawa, we need more money. Federal government, we need more investment in healthcare. Healthcare is a provincial responsibility, as we all know. And there was some criticism saying, well, tell us how you're going to spend that before we give it to you. We're not just going to hand over money. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is it a money problem? It's, it seems to be the same in every province of this country. Some are worse than others, obviously. Every mm-hmm. province is struggling with some of the same challenges mm-hmm. of staffing and recruitment. And so, so, Claudia, how do we kind of look at the big picture to say what's happening here is not happening in isolation? How do we fix something that's a systemic issue? It might even be a fundamental problem with the way healthcare is being delivered in this country. Yeah, well, I think the two issues you raise are important. I think one is money and the other is uh, essentially labor force. And absolutely, are the, in real dollars, the healthcare transfers from the federal government have diminished significantly over the years. Um, you know, that really started, I think, with Stephen Harper. And then our liberal government accepted that same uh, package we got from Stephen Harper um, when Trudeau came to power. And so, yes, I think we do need... Uh, we need more money to fund our healthcare system properly, particularly here in Nova Scotia, where we have folks who are older um, and in poorer health than many other parts of the country. And we have a transfer system that doesn't actually recognize that. So I think that's true, um, but we were working with the hand that we're dealt. Uh, so I think also those labor force issues are true across the country. And, you know, we've seen, Sheldon, it's not just in healthcare; It's right across the board that we are having a fundamental shift in the way we look at labor. Uh, and where once we uh, were tracking unemployment, we're now tracking our ability to fill these important jobs. Um, and so I think that that all points back to having to do things in a different way and having to find more local solutions. And so this is why I say that recruitment is necessary but not sufficient. Um, Every jurisdiction in Canada and beyond is looking to recruit more nurses and physicians and healthcare practitioners. Mm -hmm. And so we'll have some success, but we know that it's a deeply competitive marketplace. And so the question is, what can we do here with what we have? And so when the reason that we have been kind of bringing up this notion of collaborative care generally and also collaborative health centers is number one, it allows us to work with the healthcare practitioners we have now so that folks can work to their scope. We know that doctors are doing a lot of work that doctors don't need to do. Uh, Same with nurses, same with nurse practitioners. We need more of all of those folks right across the board, including paramedics. Um, And I see that you've put up that paramedic graphic, so that's perfect timing. We didn't plan it. Um, But, but, you know, I, I think that we can really help to serve some of the key issues we're seeing about overcrowding and access to healthcare by just ensuring that the people in the system now can work to their full scope. And we can probably bring other folks in to do more administrative work and things like that who can work to a different scope. And I don't see a conversation happening about that. I have to ask, when we have uh, the Premier saying, well, what would be great is to have 24-7 emergency room surgery, have all of that available so that people can get healthcare when they need it. Uh, There are times where there's perhaps uh, 
you know, some capacity that's not necessarily being used. But it seems even trying to staff Monday to Friday is a challenge. Uh, and, and I'm thinking back to the Daryl Dexter government, the NDP with collaborative emergency care and this idea that, uh, you know, well-trained paramedics, we have among the best trained paramedics in this country. Right. They, along with licensed practical nurses and registered nurses, would work in a, 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 a presumably mostly rural um, ER and doctor on consults. The whole idea being, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. But the liberal government of Stephen McNeil Mm -hmm. didn't expand that program, didn't build mm -hmm. on that. And it seems like that was a, an experiment that it seemed to be working. Now, yes, I know that was an NDP policy and it was an NDP plan. And mm -hmm. you're the leader of the New Democratic Party now. And there was a mention of collaborative emergency centers in the release that I saw this week. So okay. what is it that you want us to know about that process, that that opportunity? Well, I'll tell you something. When when I go across the province and speak to people, as I've been doing a lot in the last few months, if I mention collaborative emergency centers, people spontaneously start to applaud. Partly because, yes, it's a friendly audience. They're new Democrats and they understand that we brought that in, but partly because they work. And I, I have to believe that the reason that that program wasn't continued, which was applauded by the Auditor General, which by any metric was very successful and continues to be successful where they exist, is because for partisan reasons. It, it wasn't a liberal plan, and so the liberals didn't continue with it. And I think you're right, Sheldon, when you talk about 24-7 care, I think with primary care or with emergency care, we need to shift our thinking around I need to be able to have a doctor I can see anytime, or I need access to a fully, what I think of right now as an emergency department all the time, to really reflect on, well, what do we need? We need family care, we need emergency care. How do we deliver that? And collaborative emergency centers are a great example where they were staffed overnight, as you said, by physicians and nurses who had a doctor consult on call because volumes tended to go down, because that was what was required at that time. And it was wildly successful. And in fact, the Auditor General, you know, suggested in 2016 that we needed more collaborative care centers under the Liberal government, and it never happened. So are collaborative emergency centers and collaborative care generally a magic pill that are going to fix the crisis we're in? No. But nor is the incremental uh, approach that we're seeing right now from the government. We need to do things differently. We need to make sure that we are taking care of our uh, of Nova Scotians across the province and of, of communities, that we are making sure communities stay healthy. And these collaborative emergency centers can act as sort of community health hubs. People can see someone the same day or the next day. They can deal with their emergencies. And so I have yet to hear any compelling reason why we shouldn't be expanding that model. And it's something we can do with the resources we have now. And I would be remiss, Sheldon, since we're talking about paramedics, if I didn't yep. mention that we don't pay our par paramedics enough. This is a massive issue. We have the best trained paramedics, as you say, and they are leaving in droves. Uh, many are off the job because they are just simply too overworked. Uh, so they're some kind of sick leave or they're going to Ontario or another jurisdiction where they're going to get paid exponentially more than they get paid in Nova Scotia. So this is a retention issue that can be solved um, by a different pay package and one that benefits us all in the end because we know how vital uh, those folks are to our basic and emergency healthcare needs. I think there's an unspoken 
concern uh, within some circles that mm-hmm. clearly are talking about it, though, that you've got an insurance company under contract running the paramedic system, right. the, the emergency health system, and mm-hmm. folks who are going off on stress and are, are dealing with the same insurance company. And that's an inherent conflict, or it feels like one. And in fact, I know someone shared recently anonymously, but through others, other medics, how you know they've been denied treatment mm-hmm. and denied any kind of financial support. Mm-hmm. Where this person says, "I'm going to have to, I might have to sell my house, and I can't, I can't work, but I also can't afford not to work." And that's a horrible mm-hmm. situation because of what bars are placed in front of them by appraisers and, and, and actuaries and, and insurance company that's also their employer. It just seems right. it seems like there's a conflict there. I think there's a conversation to be had around Medivy. Uh, I think there's a conversation to be had around our emergency medical services generally and paramedics. I mean, you mentioned there there's been patient transport hired. That's great. But we need to retain the paramedics that we have. And so far, we have not seen uh, efforts being made to that. And I, I would welcome a bigger conversation, as you're kind of suggesting, mm-hmm. around contracting a private company to run our paramedic services, particularly where you know we are experiencing such a challenge in having timely access to you know paramedic attention right. when we need it. Well, uh, there's going to be a lot of conversation as we uh, move through the summer. The barbecue circuit wraps up and you'll be in the House of uh, Assembly soon uh, in a few months. And then what's the game plan? What What is it? I, obviously, I know you've been very much um, applauded for your effectiveness in the House. We've got a premier who has in the past admitted when he'd made a mistake and had backed away from something. So how does that perhaps shade or, or influence how you're going to approach the job as leader when you get the chance to do so in the legislature? Listen, I am doing this job uh, to try and create uh, a better uh, life for Nova Scotians, pure and simple. I want to make sure that our healthcare services work for people who need them. Um, you know, the stories we hear in our offices, Sheldon, uh, is what kind of keeps us fueled to do this work. People who wait three hours for an ambulance or who leave an emergency room or who can't get a prescription. Uh, that's why I do this work. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see who our colleagues are and, and where the government makes good decisions. As we discussed today, I will be the first in line to applaud and support those decisions where we think that things need to happen differently to make sure that Nova Scotians are taken care of. Uh, we will advocate for that. And, you know, the main message, I think, is is that, you know, we have people's back and and that we are we're, we're really on the side of folks who need uh, who need to know that they're going to make it to, through the next paycheck. And right now, I mean, we haven't talked about the cost of living, but yeah. that's a huge issue for folks right now. And compounded with healthcare, care, uh, there's a lot that needs fixing. And so I've rolled up my sleeves. I'm here to fix it in whatever way I can. The main way I can right now, obviously, is to talk to folks like you and be in the legislature and use our voice um, and, you know, ultimately really try to be uh, as helpful as I can. I, I want the government to fix health care. I want the government to address the cost of living because that's in the best interest of Nova Scotians. Uh, so where they do it, I'll applaud and where they fall down, I will not be shy in pointing it out and in in making, you know, what I think are really good suggestions uh, from a policy perspective on how we could do it better. 
and no one political party has any moratorium on good ideas. I, I, I think uh, even Tim Houston has said that. So let's let's hope he takes that advice. Uh, Claudia Chender, a member of the Legislative Assembly, but also the leader of Nova Scotia's New Democratic Party. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sheldon. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 